for a small wine company. He is... Luke Morris, who's saying his own name, and I have a bottle of Alta Pinot Grigio and Sauvignon Blanc blended together at last on my desk in a litre bottle. Gee, this is fun times. Oh, wow. Shares have gone up. And together, <laughs> we are Luke's Talk Wine, who talk all things wine and booze and popular culture. Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. G'day, Campbell. What's going on? Mate, well, we're back. We're, we're still here. We're, we're online. We're streaming. Uh, it's episode, episode 19. Episode 19, season two. How did you oh, guess? So, oh, I was just trying to add them. I wasn't adding them up. I was trying to remember what last week was. So we're on, um, this is, we, we got two more episodes until a break. That's right. Dun, dun, dun. So you heard it first here, everybody. Episode 19, season two. And have we got some topics for you? We are broaching the topics, actually. The wine wankers of the world and really <laughs> what they need to stop saying. We're gonna, that's our topic of the week this week. And we've got a listener question. Luke Morris, have I got a question from you? As I scroll down, I can't really Wait, see mate? this name. Did I ask Rich- any I do ask Rich- questions. Yes. Uh, Rochelle from Surrey Hills writes, how much is too... Oh, this is a good one. How much is too much wine? Um, and so whether you're collecting, drinking, or tasting, yeah. how much is too much wine? We I assume she means collecting. Tasting. Tasting, oh, you should, that's really, you should know that. Yeah, <laughs> Your friends actually, will tell you. We'll get yeah. on to that, I guess. <laughs> I guess we'll get on to that. But that, that is the question, absolutely. Uh, so wine wankers and how much is too much wine? But as always, and the listening audience will know this every week, but... <laughs> We need to find out. Luke Morris, what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just got given this bottle of litre. Uh, it's made by Gapstead, I can read on the back. Pinot Grigio and Sauvignon Blanc, you know, bringing together two great wine varietals that harmonise. That's a great consumer anti-pasto. It's almost anti-wine. But anyway... It sounds, it sounds like the anti-wine, but I guess you get you do get those Friuli um, blends that where they use Sauvignon and uh, Pinot Grigio up in the northeastern corner um, nearing the border in Italy. So they do blend it together. It's not altogether crazy. Is, um, do, do they have Sauvignon Blanc or use the saying in general? No, they do, have, they do have Sauvignon Blanc. Absolutely, they do. Yeah, not yeah. a heap of the planted. It's more of the Riesling varieties and the aromatics rather than the noble ones, but they do have it up there, absolutely. I suppose I'm poo-pooing it just out of the, the notion of, um, because I guess... Sauvignon Central Blanc Victorian is, warm climate Sauvignon Blanc, perhaps? Not, well, maybe, but no, not really. Just just the idea that there's plenty of Pinot Grigio in demand and there's usually, maybe that's the thing, they're trying to blend away the Sauvignon Blanc that they've got because that's not in demand from the King Valley. Well, they're obviously really – I think they're very optimistic because they're making it in Magnum. Making it in a Magnum? I think they're selling it for the, uh, you know, on the cheap. It's it's labelled as Alta. You have to read the back label to find out what's in it. I don't know if that's legal, to be honest with you. I thought you had to have the front label say what the grape varietals were. The majority grape variety. I I think you do. But if – 
if they're making it in Magnum, they're assuming people are going to drink a lot of it. Do you know, that just reminds me that, mm. um, ah, oh, uh, Michelle Chapoutier and Ron Lawson got together and they made a wine that had like this label that was like a starry night label and that was it. Lapliard. Lapliard, that's lit. Gosh, that was a good wine. (laughs) I got a 2013 or something like that. It was a cracker, a jacker in the box. Get out of the box and get back in. Do whatever you want. Great stuff. Pull the Um, cork and drink it with a straw. I agree with you. It often used to show up because people couldn't pronounce it nor spell it and it actually had Braille on the front label. It often used to show up in a bargain bin. Oh, um, really? Yeah. And you'd like, oh, Heathkit Sherad. And because there was nothing lit on the front label, people struggled to turn it around. I don't know why. It wasn't wow. good. As a full recommended retail, it was actually quite expensive, but it often yeah. would show up in a bargain because people didn't know what it was. But inside of trading, I knew it was Shiraz. Yeah, but this was the thing. This is what I'm going to say about this bottle because that triggered, triggered me to think of the fact that um, – I mentioned that years ago when that um, La Pleiade came out and said, isn't this illegal? Because the front label just doesn't say what's in it, what it is. And someone said, well, technically, the back label is the front label. That's, uh, what, yes. that's, what, they, that's what they tell people. They tell, like, if, if, if the, if the yeah. John Darm came across and said, we need to uh, bring you up for some charges, I'd say, just turn it around, mate. There's the front label now. Yeah. I have heard that before. That's fun. That does happen. Yeah, that is fun. So back to the gift giving of, and we did cover gift giving actually in an earlier episode. It wasn't a gift. It's a um, tasting bottle for work. All right. Okay. Well, that's going to be a lot of tasting. (laughs) (laughs) Do you do that, Campbell? Do you do that with like, um, not drink liters at a time, but I mean, like, if if you get taste samples or something, and you're like in the trade, you, you get so much of it, you get to a point where it's like, okay, I'll tip some things down the sink because it's just you just can't drink the whole things. But do you get to a point where you're just like, oh, I'll save that one for later? Yeah, of course you do. Yeah, I mean, I generally taste my wines and the samples that are given to me for the business, like our business, vinified, where we buy wines and, and manage people's cellars or we wipe, write wine wine lists. So all the samples that I get given or, or um, dropped off to our cellars, I, I taste them at the end of the month blind with, with our staff. And, yeah, occasionally you get to one and I just kind of just sheepishly take it off the table and slip it into my bag and think, oh, I'll have a look at that later. But even at home... <laughs> <laughs> Even at home, I often it's got into your bag. You own the. You're the. You're the dude, dude. Yeah. Do what you want. Well, do you yeah. ask for permission to take like toilet breaks and stuff? No, but it's about culture in the business, Luke. You know, oh, like, okay. it's about sharing is caring. But you know, if I do, you come across, by example. I am, but if I do come across a good bottle, I, I do kind of, you know, play the boss card. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. I'll, I'll take all the you. good bottles. Anything else you guys want? Uh... <laughs> good luck. No, no, it's not like that. Just you know, the staff know I have a cup. You know, favourites. You know, if a if a hunter semion comes across the bench <laughs> or ne- ne- Nebbiolo swings by, you know, they they know pretty much that I'm going to be taking that one. Home. <laughs> good. But I've, I've no, often got should. bottles open. I've often, you know, I, I might have any at any one time. I mean, if I if I can. I picture my kitchen bench at the moment in my mind's eye. I might have four or five open bottles 
that I'm taking notes on or testing or see how they uh, react once they're open a couple of days. Oh, um, yeah. Do you do that thing where um, if you open a bottle uh, and you have it open for like three days and it's still solid as a rock, you think, yeah, that's a really good wine? Yeah. I, I often look at wines and, and with a vision of thinking how they're going to be the next day. Uh, oh, right. So Yeah. So particularly if they've held up the next day, um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's at that point I'm considering the wine because most people, shock horror to you and I, I know Luke Morris, but most people don't open and drink the whole bottle. So particularly in a retail setting, they might. And write in, listeners, you can write in at lukestalkwine at gmail.com and, and send us How an many bottles of wine do you drink in one go? Let us or rebut my, rebut my statement. is So <laughs> contrary to popular belief is that they actually leave the bottle Drink some now, put some in their past, and drink the rest tomorrow. So particularly midweek, doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, it doesn't happen to me, but it does happen. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm in agreement. You know, so I do do that thing. And a long answer to a short question is, I do do that thing. I open bottles and look at them over time, Luke Morris. No, it's it's a good it's a good point because I um, used to. to deal with some customers like happily do it sounds like i'll have to deal with these people but no happily deal with customers who who wanted that wine that they could open and drink over those three days and just leave it on the bench and that that generally be people who'd spend you know that 20 20 dollars 25 dollars a bottle just a bit more than you would pay the the normal 15 dollar uh wine just to get that something that will last those few days and you know, it was, a, it was a great. It was, you know, smart. Yeah. Hats off to them. Good decisions. Absolutely. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au. L U K E M O R I S H A dot com dot au. Have a great day. Hey, uh, I've got something for you, and this week's topic actually. Yeah. It's about it's about wine wankers, and we can swear <laughs> on our show because it's our show. We can do what we like, and we can say the word wanker. Is wanker a swear word? I thought yeah. that was just a descriptive. <laughs> a, do, a doing word, a verb. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the the obese wanker walked through the door. Yeah, it's... Fair enough. Well, we can uh, we can talk we we can talk grammar all the slender the wanker walked. We're on, we are on the show to talk about wine. So the prefix to the wanker is the wine wanker, and these are people who rock around with seemingly some idea, but in fact, they've got no idea. <laughs> and oh, it's, it's got I think my the reverse own. is true to tell it. Oh, sometimes. Do I think you you're really? right, but I think the reverse can also be true. Oh, yeah. Oh, too much knowledge me. is, is wankery. Too much knowledge is wankery. So it's got me riled up because over the past weekend, right, yeah. so – so this, there's this one piece of information which sticks in me and it gets me rolled up. And so that's how this comic, if you haven't realised, okay. that's how this comic came about. Yeah, cool. Wine wankers, right? Yeah. Red wine. So, you know, just having a bit of a dinner party and, you know, a few people around and, you know, as you do. celebrating, as you do, absolutely, just celebrating life, really, just nothing yeah. else other than that. Pull out a wine, out of the wine fridge. So my wine fridge is, is set at about... 
16 degrees. <laughs> yeah. And, and so ready ready to go, pull it wine, <laughs> air, aerated the wine. Someone at the dinner table says, oh, God, well, we can't drink this. Red wine should only be served at room temperature. Yeah. So, so riddle me this. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm like, how hot was the womb? So I'm like, I'm like, okay, Mister X, let's call him, you know, Steve. Um, oh, I hope his name's Steve. <laughs> so, so <laughs> sorry, I've just added one of my mates. Anyway, it is Steve. Wine. Oh, oh, this is great. Red wine should only be served at room temperature. So I lift it out of the wine fridge. Uh, you know, yeah. like at a, at about sixteen degrees, it's a light bodied ish red. It's, you know, like yeah. oh, you know, Mister X pops up and he says, "Oh, we can't drink this. Yeah. <laughs> this is a bit cold. It needs to be room temperature. We're sitting in a room which is at about you know twenty six degrees. You got oh, the, the the gas on. You know, well the, the girls and you know the the the, the wives and the kids are all a bit chilly. Whatever, the back door was open. No worries. And I said, all right. Mr. Steve, so what's room temperature? Tell me what room temperature is, because we're obviously not sitting around as lords of the table in 18th century France. Yeah. Tell me what the room temperature is. Um, and, and so, and so well, what did he say? Did well, he... this this the, the room temperature is of, of the room, and this this is too cold, and you know, and so it came out. And I said, well, actually, like if we're in a cellar in France. The room temperature would be somewhere between twelve and eighteen degrees on average, you know. But if we were in, if we we're in Champagne, it'd be even colder. So, what room is your room temperature? And he said, "Oh, yeah. I don't know, the average room." And I said, "Well, the average room temperature right now would be above twenty-five degrees. Is that when we need to drink our red?" And he's like, "Well, it needs to be warmer than this." So his argument is actually <laughs> needs to be warmer. Right. So, so read, read on me this, and, and this is wine winkerism, right? And I've got a million of them, but this is the first one that got me going. Oh god, what, this is going to be a long podcast. <laughs> what? It's like a seventeen wine faults in a bottle. I'm going to pull you up on a million. Steve, <laughs> I hope you're listening to this. Red, red wine should only be served at room temperature. Luke Morris, wine winkerism number one. Discuss. Yeah. Uh, well, there's there's not a lot of discussion. I think you've 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 uh, nailed it on their head. Which room are people talking about when they say that? They have to yeah. they, they have to then go back to the, the what was it the eighteen hundred cookbook? Was it the it was one of those prints of kings king? Was it the Sun King from France, Prince Louis yeah. the Fourteenth? That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. He, yeah. Um, he said it should be room temperature, which is you know, like you said back in the day when they didn't have central heating. Bag of that for a joke. Um, so yeah, no room temperature. If if something's in it, that, that's the other thing. They've put you put it out at eighteen degrees, and so they've noticed the difference between the room temperature, you know, the literal room temperature, and what the wine temperature is, and said, "Oh, it's too cold." But they haven't like. How do you judge something to be eighteen degrees? Like, has he got a thermometer out to stick it in there? That would be real wankerism if they brought out a th- <laughs> It's like those people who, who who sew on a white patch on their jacket so they can look at the colour. Oh, like yes. Someone who, who brought along, like, a, a temperature app on their phone and just shoved it against the glass every time they took a sip. 
Yes, that's it. So that that is wine wankerism, but it just just got me riled up. I love that yeah. though. If there was an app on your phone, you could stick next to a glass, and then the phone would say, "Too cold, poor Samuel Blanc," <laughs> and then you'd have to rub it a bit before you could have a a taste. <laughs> I love uh, that you've given this 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 your your interpretation of Siri is a wonderful interpretation. Can we have that again? <laughs> Please. Too cold for Pinot Grigio and or Samuel Blanc blended. <laughs> and then you, uh, the, the, but you know that's it. It must have some sort of like uh, a, the camera must be not only infrared heat sensitive, so it can tell the temp- temperature, but it's detailed enough to be able to go. This is Pinot Noir. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that is. Pinot Noir should be 18 degrees. And then it just gives you like tips. Put in fridge for three minutes and then you're... Then you're done. Then you're done. You know, it's like microwave for 30 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Then remove and consume. (laughs) That would be good. Why can't we... What what about you? So we've got... What have we we got? We've got... uh, uh, the Hottest 100, uh, Inexplicable Happiness, and the Wine Ranker app. We've got things to do yeah. for our time. Oh, we have. We've got things to do. <laughs> it should just, I think you're right. It should just be an app where people pay for it and we provide them with a blank white screen. Oh. That would be, <laughs> be the app. <laughs> oh, the one rank app includes a blank white screen, a, a voice that tells you how, what the temperature is, and whether or not you should drink it. And what else do you need? Something that uh, uh, helps you open up a bottle that's got a cork in it, because so many people are now confused. There's a whole generation of people who don't know how to open up a corked bottle, so to speak. Yes, so, that's right. Take off shoe and slam against wall. You know, that kind of yeah. helpful advice. <laughs> Have we talked about that? Have you ever done that? What? Helpful advice? No, no not that. I, I know no. you've never done that. I mean, taking your shoe off and put a bottle of wine inside of the shoe and, and smashed it against the the not smashed, but hit it against the wall in order to um, shift the cork out enough. To, oh, I've um, done that. Yeah, I actually, I, I have done that. I actually did that. Would you believe it? Uh, I actually did that in a vineyard in Burgundy with my now wife. Actually, because I was travelling through Burgundy without a corkscrew. Um, I don't know why I was you doing that. that. You did Swiss Army knife, man. Yeah, well, we, we were travelling around the old Silver Bullet, the Silver Peugeot, um, and we, we were camping at the time because we were backpacking students and. Uh, yeah, I left my wine opener at a campsite somewhere. I don't know where. Uh, got to Burgundy, no, no wine key, no wine knife. So I was like, "All right, well, I can do this." So against the old tree, bottle of Burgundy, open. Bob's your uncle. Wow. Yeah. Did you have to hit it hard, or did it come out yeah. fairly? No, you do have to hit it fairly stiffly. Yeah. Uh. Hmm. But anyway, this isn't wine tips with Luke. Morris and Luke Campbell. This is actually Luke's talk wine. So I want to know more about wine wankerism. Yeah, we're not going to give you any tips. Sorry about. Sorry for that interlude. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
We did do oh, no. one since back in episode three, I think, didn't we? <laughs> We've done that. <laughs> uh, rankery things. I think the only rankery thing that's happened to me lately was, um, and it might have been my fault, to be honest with you, mm. but I was in a in a sh- in a shop. I I asked the guy. They had some um, Chardonnay and um, rosé, and I couldn't decide between the two to have a glass of just while I was there. Um, and I, I said to the guy, "What's the Chardonnay like?" And he he gave this description that was like he was like, "Oh, really flinty and steely and 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 light, nice nice driving acid." And then he finished off with and a and a bit of oak treatment coming through as well. And I was like, "Oh, okay." So I said, oh, it sounds a bit." Um, I, what style is it in the where? where where would, where would it be it? from, you know? And I can't remember exactly what I said, but he, 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 I think he said something like, oh, it's old world in style. And I said, oh, yeah, but where? And then he yeah. said, um, Chablis. And then he went on like this, but it was, it was that tone of like, well, it's, uh, oh, no, where in the old world, I said. And he said, France. And I was like, All right. yeah, where in France? <laughs> and then he said, oh, Chablis. And then he went on a whole thing about t- trying to educate me on what Chablis like, which is that part I wasn't upset about. It was the... Well, you never stop learning. No, you never stop learning. But it was it was the, you know, old world. Well, where in the old world? Well, France. And so, well, yeah, but that's like... Anyway. I, I think... Um... The, the, the Chablis and Chardonnay, like, if that happened to me once on a restaurant floor, it happened to me a hundred times where, you know, the, the gentleman might order, oh, I want a glass of Chardonnay and you'd bring him out this Chablis, which would be excellent from the vintage, whatever it's. Oh, I don't drink Chablis, just Chardonnay. And it's like, oh, okay. Nice uh, yeah, but you just, yeah, but that's where you just sort of have to, that's, that's, that's the education gap. That's not him. That's him not knowing that there's a difference. Him well, them. you know, ignorance is bliss, isn't it, Luke Morris? I, I guess, you know, I, I used to take uh, an education. For a long time, I, I took that educational bent, particularly as a sommelier on the floor, because as we've discussed, you never stop learning and, you know, a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. But sometimes I just think, man, you are just being such a naive wanker. Um Yes, I think I'm taking it on the other side. I think my my annoyance isn't the people who assume they know a lot, but it's the people who do know a lot, but then like lord it over you a little bit. Oh yes, okay. And I guess that's what that's what my complaint was with this guy. Who was like, well, obviously it's in France, and it's like, yeah, but I asked you a fair anyway. Yeah. Fair enough. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, that's a great perspective, and. I hadn't considered it from your side, and so I like hearing that because I I used to tell customers because I, when I worked in the really fancy shop with multiple vintages of everything on the planet, practically. Yes. And someone would come up and say, "Well, what's this one like?" And I'd say, "Oh, look, I'll, I'll look it up in the book to check because I don't know everything in the shop, and if I did, I'd be a ranker." Yeah. <laughs> well, that's fair enough. Yeah. I, no, I didn't say ranker to them because that was in a shop. I, I'd say I'd be boring. I'd be boring if I knew absolutely everything here. Yes, and I, I think that's fair enough because you know that that 
store, if that, if that store had multiple vintages of something, it's like, well, that's fair enough. Like you can't, you simply can't know all of those. Yeah. Uh, any other wine wankerisms? I always love the Australia only produces Shiraz. We, you and I used to work with um, someone that um, was often in that vein, Shiraz, where we have Syrah and Shiraz uh, and the pronunciation of it. Obviously, the, the uh, wankers come out there. Who, the person who says Shiraz, like, moulds the two words together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. Was that Steve? Uh, no, that was Steve. <laughs> I hope Steve. I don't know if Steve is a listener to the podcast. I'll have to send him this one. Yeah, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, so there's, there's a bit of, you know, and, and get involved, listeners. Send us your wine wankerisms or something that just really gets on your goat because that's what yeah, hopefully, it's hopefully it's about us. Hopefully it's about the podcast. Absolutely. But, um... You guys are such wankers. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Oh, thanks, Shieldsy. <laughs> I listen to your podcast about amber wine. You guys are so wankerish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, any other wine wankerisms that spring to mind? Oh, uh, spring to mind. People will bring their own glasses to tasting events. Yes. <laughs> Oh, dude, just let it go. What's wrong with what's wrong with that? Just, <laughs> I'm asking for a friend. Uh, do you? No, I've Have never done that. Done that? No, no, I've never just, done that. I just, why do they assume we don't cater? Oh, my glasses are better. Oh, good on you. It's like it's, where's the fun? People who don't people who don't realise that wine's supposed to be fun. Well, that's right. We've we've always said that. We've you know like wine. Is meant to be fun. It's meant to be shared. You never stop learning. And I think basically, what was the Latin moniker? I can't remember, but it was basically in wine we trust, you know. So the more you drink, the better it gets, people. So <laughs> really, like <laughs> that's why they. That's why you need a liter of this Alter King because by the time by the first glass, it's like I'm not sure, but by the time you're at, you know, glass number eight. Yeah, well, that's it. nothing matters, you know. Like, and, and and people get all caught up in how to decant, when to decant, just decant it, you know. Whether it's in a big vessel, small vessel, plastic cup, whatever. You don't need one of these swanky like cobra snake things or duck decanters. Like just pour it in a. Well, actually, I like Luke Morris's call in the just science beaker. They're the best. You buy them from St Vincent de Paul op shops. They're great. Oh, going to op shops to buy. If you spend over ten bucks for a decanter, you're a wanker. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's so many in op shops these days, and they're just they're, they're fine. Yeah, agreed. I mean, maybe that's the difference between making wine a spectacle and making it a, you know, just part of the the thing. Yes. Part of the thing. You know what I mean. I do know you. Part of the thing. It's, it's the thing. It's Marbo, it's the vibe, it's the wine. It's the vibe. Um, all right, so moving on to the question, actually, speaking of not knowing if it's a thing or not, actually, because we both interpreted this question um, from our listener in Surrey Hills completely differently. So 
how much is too much wine? So I will answer the question about cellaring and then we'll we'll talk about the myth of moderation and maybe <laughs> a, a broader approach. To so okay. we answer the whole question. How about that, eh? So uh, I've said this before on this, this topic um, uh, regarding cellars and how much is too much wine. I always think the that a perfect cellar is about that twelve to fifteen hundred bottle mark. And if you drink two to three bottles a week, and I'm not telling any, some of our regular listeners anything that would have heard me say this before, and thank you for listening regularly, um, that if you drink more than two or three bottles a week, you need to be putting a mixed dozen wines a month back into that cellar. And that will allow you to maintain that twelve to fifteen hundred bottle cellar. <clears throat> Means you put about 140 uh, bottles. Oh, yeah, because that means yeah, because what's that? That's wow, that's 1,200 bottles of wine a year if you yep. drink one to two. That's week. right. And so you need to be putting that back in. So if you're putting a dozen a month in, um, that's slightly above that. So you'll always be drinking wines at a maturity or just coming into their window. So how much is too much wine? Um, that, as far as your cellar is concerned, uh, as I scroll down here, I've lost, was it Rowena, Rochelle? Rochelle, Rochelle from Surrey Hills says, um, the, how much is too much wine? Uh, as far as collecting, that's what you need to be. If you're taking out two to three bottles a week, um, you need to be putting back in just, just above that, I think. And, and then that will allow you to always be drinking wine at maturity and, and wine in its drinking window. Do you agree or disagree, Lee Forrest? No, I think that's smart. I think the the um, one of the tips of that sort of thing is also trying to plan ahead in having, like people who drink a lot of Shiraz, like at some point your palate will probably like a Pinot. So it's good to sneak in some different things in there. Because I've, I I speak to a lot of customers who like say don't sell me any Shiraz because I've bought lots of it and I'm over it and I've got all this aged Shiraz which I've got no problem with aged Shiraz you you no. probably don't either but nope. I've, I have started to think oh, I should probably stick some Pinots aside because I don't drink them like I, I I've started to slowly like drink more Pinots and if I don't stick any away i'll never in two years three years time i won't have something that's aged so it's good to yeah. just sort of evolve a little bit that's that that's that planning ahead process that is planning ahead thing and i think all, all roads lead to pinot uh everybody as the palate <laughs> evolves they want to end up drinking something soft something different i've seen it. if i've seen it once i've seen it thousand times uh, all roads lead to Pinot, whether it's Grand Cru Champagne or whether it's, you know, still red wine, all roads lead to Pinot. It's interesting, that Grand Cru Champagne. Does Champagne still produce Pinot as a table grape? I'm sure it does. Yes, table absolutely. Be parts, in, and, parts in Champagne. And they also produce, as of the 8th of May, 2021, or was it 2020? The AOP of Champagne, the, the, the governing body, extended the region, which you probably know. But mm. it, it, it included other uh, Pinot derivatives, and I don't have them at my fingertips right now, but they're also making those wines into still as well. You mean Not... Pinot derivatives as in Pinot Meunier and Pinot... Yes, I do. Yes, yes, I do. That, Blanc and Noir, 
Um, and it wasn't Pinot the classic Gris. Tills Pinot Chardonnay. Is that uh, coming around? No, there's no, no champagne blends, uh, still wine of Pinot Chardonnay. Obviously, plenty of fizz. But, yeah, I don't have those at my fingertips. But maybe that's some homework for me for next week. Um, I'll come back and I'll just let you know about those extra varietals that were allowed into champagne because they're making steel wines out of those. Ah, so it's, it's not it's not classic Pinot, it's not classic champagne varietals. It's it's whole new varietals. It's the new one because they increased it. They increased the oh, so region by eighty kilometers. Yeah, okay. Um, and they're not you're not they're not your average variety. I'll do some homework anyway, listeners, and I'll uh, report back. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. But regarding that, so how much wine is too much wine? So I took it as in c- consumption, tasting, when to drink, not to drink. You took it as cellaring. Oh, so yeah, because I, I, that's the way I look at it because so many people buy so much wine and then it's like, where do you put it all and, you know, have I got too much? When, when, do you, when am I going to drink all this? But the way you said it, you, you know, you, you do, you're sort of planning to have how many years ahead? Five, ten years ahead? Mm. Yeah, five. So that's why you got 12. How many did you say? That'd be 12,000 bottles of wine if you've got five years worth of wine. That's, no, no, that's not 12. That's, um, no. So if you, if you, if you want to sell it, the average size of the seller that we manage is between 12 and 1,500 bottles. And, and so um, there, there are a lot bigger, there are some smaller, but yeah, that's the average size. And, and that's a really good um, range. You can have a really good range of wines and a really good um, breadth of varieties, choice of varieties to drink. But you, if you're drinking between two and three bottles a week, you need to be able to replace them as well. And that's one case a month, one case of 12 a month. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. No, I was wondering about that because yeah, it's an interesting spend cycle for people. Once a month, you go and buy a case of wine. Sounds like fun. Yes. Well, if you're committed to collecting wine and building a cellar, it takes planning, Luke Wines. Yeah. It's the first Wednesday of the month. It's uh, Marissa Wednesday. Go, go, go to talk to Vinified and uh, find myself a case. Away you go. We can plan your cellar. We can work to any budget. We do it all the time, Luke Wines. Yeah. Hey, not not long ago. So during COVID, obviously, you know, any form of alcohol was considered a preventative beverage. Basically, just get it in you. Well, I did it. I was guilty. My, my wife. Preventative. And I were, preventative yeah, of. Preventative of COVID. Preventative of you know, huh. you know, whatever. Just just to keep yourself. The doldrums. The doldrums absolutely. Um, you know, my wife and I did it. We were having a parotivo hour. We were having digestivo hour before we go to bed. <laughs> We were drinking all the good wine. Like you've tried to merge that in some way, but you like just gave up halfway through. We we weren't we weren't no digestives. We were having digestivo hour at the end of it, mate. Paracetamol hour at the start of the day, digestivo hour at the end. It's all happening. But you you quickly realise that the tail of the fermented beverage, whether it was for calories or whatever it just wasn't helpful so and nor was it healthy so generally you know as, as a professional and i call myself a professional loosely someone who's worked in the industry an industry veteran uh, as as someone described me recently 
Um, like I, I generally have Sunday Mondays off the booze and not, you know, just because I can. Uh, so, you know, just give the liver a break and whatever. But I mean, if I want to, and you'd be the same, I could go to lunch and dinner every, every day of the week and drink wine if I wanted to. And it sounds great, but really it doesn't do your mind, body or soul any good, Luke. Mark. No, no. When you say how much is too much, yeah. Breakfast, yeah. lunch and dinner every day is too much. Yeah. And you would have come across it. There's people that need to be in, in, in our industry because, you know, they like a drink. And don't get me wrong, I love a drink. Uh, as much as the next person, but I do take time out and off the, the booze. It's not something that motivates me. Booze isn't something that motivates me. I am passionate about it, obviously, and as are you, but I can I have other hobbies and I have other interests um, as well that keep me going about my day. But how much is too much? You know, I, I think if you're having, you know, you know, not that we're doctors or medical professionals, uh, but we do drink responsibly. You know, I think if you're having, you know, a, a, a few a few glasses a week, a bottle here, you know, celebration there is fine. I think it's important to just do it um, in a considered way. I think when he, when the binge drinking is a big one in our industry, particularly for males as well, they'll go out and they'll binge and they'll have a heap on Friday and Saturday night and then Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, their system's got to process and get the toxins out. But, I think um, we talked about this in like episode one that it's a it's a very cultural thing to drink as much as possible in Australia, whereas in other parts of overseas it's it's quite well accepted that you know there's different body shapes, there's different different body sizes, and you got to look after each other. Yep. You know you have to go you have to go if you if you don't go pot for pot or pint for pint or glass for glass with everybody else in Australia, you're what is I still hear those terms like eating's cheating or uh, lightweight or something like that, and it's just like, grow up. Yeah, absolutely. What, what I hear, what do I hear on the? If 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 this is our sweary episode, someone said <laughs> the two things. Someone said they were like, "We're going to get shit faced tonight," and I just thought that just sounds terrible. Wow. I do not want my face to look like a piece of shit, and. <laughs> They also said, "No, you got their their backup to it was uh, you got to go hard or go home." And that person did not wow. realise that that was not really a threat. I would much <laughs> rather be home. <laughs> no, like, yeah, exactly. Of those options, home. And that, that, fine. Were, that means that, every off time. And they were referring that that was a referral to drinking, as in yeah. going hard drinking or yeah. going home instead of. Yeah, okay, right. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I'm a bit out of the loop there as well. So Don't be, don't be a soft... All that kind of mm. threatening nature of having to drink. I'm like, no, I can, you know, let me just be. Yeah. Well, that's it. I mean... I think it was, you have to draw your own lines sometimes. Well, you, you taught me about... not care about what, what feathers you ruffle. ruffle. Well, that's it. I mean, you, you taught me about the, the you do you, and I love that. You know, like, I think nobody else... Nobody else's opinion. What? What? My, my father, rest in peace, John Vincent Campbell. But he he said he used to use a phrase, and it was nobody else's. Someone else's opinion of you is none of your business, and that was really um. It used to ring true. It didn't mean anything to me as a kid, but 
but the older <laughs> I've got, the, the more about it, you know, it really does ring true because that's right. As long as if you're doing you and really, you know, what is it? Well, I think the, the national average is about four drinks a day. Like that's about, you know, that's about 14 drinks a week, standard drinks, whether they're beers or wines or whatever. They're not bottles or magnums in your case. They're, you know, so <laughs> that, that is, um, you know, like I think that's just above the national average. And, and that see, even that seems to me excessive. I don't know. Would you have 14 drinks a week? Like and you're in the industry. Um, I reckon I would. And I'm in the trade, you know. So, well, I guess what we're saying in answer to Rochelle's question is how much is too much? I think as long as you're across it, if you're talking about wine cellaring, we've answered that, Rochelle. If you're talking about consumption at home, yeah, I, I think, you know, uh, for men it's Yeah, probably... we don't want to out Rochelle as someone who's worried about the, the drinking <laughs> habit. Am I drinking too much? You have to decide that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So... But hopefully we've we've answered the hopefully we've answered the question on can what I, to drink, when to drink, and how to drink it. Can I ask you a um, question though? Yes. You mentioned I've got a Magnum, which which is 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 a fair train of thought because it's a, a but a liter bottle isn't a Magnum. A Magnum is one and a half. Is oh. there a term for a liter? Do we? Because there's what well, I can't remember what they are, but it's oh. Magnum. Then it's double Magnum, Boeing. But then it's is it Jeroboam? Well, they're Babylon. all named after the kings of Babylon. So... Yeah, but double magnum isn't named. Double magnum is just double magnum. There's no name for that as far as I can remember. That That's an odd size. You would need a completely different bottling line. And we've gone off an attention here, listeners, but you would need a completely different bottling line to bottle a one-litre bottle of wine. Uh, you just... You, no, from my experience with bottling lines, you just um, uh, change the... The cap height, and you can do that. That's not too. That's not too difficult. You do have to change. Um, you might change the rack height so everything else stays the same. But um, yeah. just drop the rack down, and it can it can roll on. Because so the bottle, the bottle. Uh, yeah. uh, that's the the height of a Bordeaux bottle and the height of a Burgundy bottle and the height of a Riesling bottle. They're all different. It's no real difference to. You got to change those heights anyway. So it's no different to that, but it is a unique bottle order. Hmm. So a one liter bottle, so a Magnum is the equivalent of two standard bottles. 750 is a standard bottle. So a Magnum is like one and a half. Yeah, Magnum's... How curious. How yeah. curious. And, and so, so one, a one liter bottle, it would be a bottle and a half. That, that, how curious, Luke Morris. From Gapstead. Hmm. Yeah, they're bringing Mm. sexy back. They are bringing sexy back. (laughs) I think it might take a while with Sauvignon Blanc and Pinot Grigio, but hey, who knows? You never know. You never know. Hey, Uh, do do you know? Do you know what they say about trailblazers? That's right. No, they're first. Yeah, (laughs) you wouldn't believe it. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been amazing. This has been episode nineteen, season two. I have been. Luke Campbell. You can find me on the socials just about wherever, whether it's LinkedIn or Facebook or on the gram at vinified underscore wine underscore services. He's been Luke Morris. Where do we find you, Luke Morris? 
I'll be uh, coming to your phone soon as the voice of Siri, the wine app uh, <laughs> of you person. Um, and uh, like and like, like and subscribe. That's not what you do to this thing. You tell a friend. Tell a friend. You tell a friend. Tell you a friend. Share it. Give, give a review. And um, yeah. Let us know what you thought. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast. And if you want to get in touch, you can get in touch by touching your keys on the keyboard and emailing us at lukestalkwine at gmail.com. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Thank you for the time. And I have been Luke Campbell. In the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Bye. Vinified are the wine cellars specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com.au